I should say, just by way of warning and fairness, <clears throat> that I plan to end this little meditation with what we used to refer to as an altar call. But more about that later. I say, isn't it great that in our particular Christian faith, God does not forgive anyone we know, friend or foe, without clearing it with us first? Wouldn't it be just super frustrating if people we know could just be forgiven by God without going through us first? What kind of religion would that be? Think of it. What kind of God would it be if someone in New York City or Downingtown or Brickerville or Lancaster Township could just ask God for forgiveness and it's all over? No procedure, no process, no public confession, no laborious accountability, just flat-out forgiven. Sorry, God. No problem. You're forgiven. Now, that would be scary. Out of control, really. I mean, what's the point of attending church if persons in our neighborhood, in the three or four blocks around this church building this morning, can be at home right now and just pray, even with their eyes open, and say, God, please forgive me. And God would forgive them. Wouldn't that be, like, too easy, too fickle, too free, too free of us? Can God forgive people around this neighborhood without processing with us first? Wouldn't that be like a betrayal to us if that ever happened? My father spoke the Pennsylvania Dutch language as a small boy in his Mennonite home near Five Pointville. He learned English by going to school. So he always had his unique, rich brand of the English language. Years ago, one of my nephews stayed overnight with his grandparents while his parents were away on a short trip. And afterwards, his parents were asking him, you know, what he did when he was with his grandparents. And he mentioned a number of things. And then he said, oh, yes. Grandpa read the story of Chona. At first, his parents, who spoke proper English, were baffled, and then they said, Oh, you mean Jonah. No, he insisted. It's Chona. Grandpa said it's Chona. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Chona. Chona was a reluctant von Hilvas, a vimpy missionary, if you ever saw von. He was stewious and wavered. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Most of us Mennonites have this love your enemies stuff down cold. We tell stories to our children about turning the other cheek. And, and I honor that. It's a great tradition and a great conviction and one that I hope we continue to practice forever. But let me ask you this morning, who are your enemies? Who are your enemies? Now that's where the tricky thing starts because, well, I'm just urging you to try to think about it honestly. Many times when we think about, about this, we focus on other people's enemies, not ours. 
My brother can't stand vegetarians, but I have no problem with them. My sister dislikes Democrats, but I have no problem with them. My neighbor hates Hispanics and Mormons. Just can't quit talking about it, but I have no problem with them. Okay. Who do you have a problem with? Who are your enemies? Not the politically correct ones, but yours. Who are the persons or entities which make you upset and angry? Who would you like to see silenced or defeated or at least humiliated and put in their place? Who do you sort of wish could be removed from the earth if someone else could do it and you wouldn't have to know about it until later? Being Mennonite does, make a, does not make us immune from this question. Most of us have enemies in our hearts even if we aren't honest about it and we don't even call them enemies. We'd love nothing more than to see them humiliated or destroyed. But I tell you, unless you can be honest about this question in your own heart, you're not able to understand the magnificent story of Jonah. If God called you this afternoon, this very day, and asked you to arrange a meeting with Mr. Dick Cheney, and if God asked you to go and ask him to repent, could you do that? Would you do that? Should you do that? And what if you went and Mr. Cheney repented in tears and God forgave him? Without him, without Mr. Cheney admitting that he was wrong about all the things that infuriate you. He does not admit for one second that you are right in your own way of thinking, but he claims forgiveness and peace of heart. What would you do? Would you look for some shade to sit under while you waited to see if God would give him what he has common? Or what about that sister-in-law of yours who slyly maneuvered things so that after your parents were gone and you ended up with the short end of the stick when the will was settled? And she's always smiling and saying how much her faith sustains her and how grateful she is that she constantly experiences God's forgiveness though she never owns up to her role in the, the estate unfairness, from your point of view. Wouldn't you just like to smack her? What kind of God just forgives people? Then there's Mike sitting at a youth rally, and he sees Shannon up there, I'm sorry, Sean up there on the, uh, on the platform, the same Sean who spread untrue and unkind rumors about Mike to a bunch of the seniors. And suddenly Amy didn't want to hang with Mike anymore, and now in recent weeks she's thick with Sean. And now Sean comes to the microphone up there on the platform and shares his testimony about his walk with God and gushes about the great feeling of being forgiven by God. And Mike wants to walk out or throw something at him, but he just sits there instead and watches Sean bestow a wink and a big smile on Amy while everyone applauds. Jonah was sick at heart. He was afraid to speak. He honestly did not want his enemies forgiven. They had invaded his country again and again. They had plundered. They had looted. They had raped time and again, destroyed the countryside, and they had taken 
his people hostage and dragged them away into captivity. These were mean guys. He had no doubt that his enemies needed to repent. But Jonah didn't trust God because God just might forgive those vicious, selfish, hateful infidels instead of destroying them. Jonah's God was that way. And Jonah wished he had gods like some of the other nations who stuck by their people, didn't go around changing their minds about destroying the scum of the earth. A few weeks ago in Hong Kong, we were on a tour, and the guide pointed out to us a group of women sitting under a bridge in the center of the city. They're called the curse women, he said. If you pay them a certain amount and you want them to place a curse on an individual or a group of people, they'll place a curse on for you. And if you pay more, they'll, it'll be a bigger curse and it'll last longer. Sounds a little... little strange, but then when you think about it, it does sort of sound attractive. Just between you and me, if you knew it worked, and you had the money, and you could do it without anybody else knowing, wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> Sounds better than a God who goes around forgiving your enemies, right? So what if there's a wideness in God's mercy? There has to be some satisfaction, right? Jonah's mad, angry to see God forgive his bitterest of enemies. Didn't I tell you? I knew this would happen. How can we have advantage when God loves everyone? How can we be a special people if God loves all people and all nations? Where's the fun in that? Tell you what, I'm, I'm writing my suicide note right now. Yeah, I am, right now. You just watch. I'm going to disappear. I don't have to hang around for the music and, you know, the feast of the fatted calf and all that nonsense. Better to cut my throat than to have my enemies on God's side. Didn't I tell you you can't trust God to destroy my enemies? I want to win this argument. I want to win. Really beat my enemy. I can always repent later, but I want to win now. Hey, if I need to become vulnerable to those jerks later, fine. But first, I want to conquer them and make them sorry. Why do we find it so difficult to ask for forgiveness from others, from ourselves, from God? It's so hard, and we resist so strenuously, yet it's but... Three words. Please forgive me. Three words. Yet the strongest men and women in the world find them nearly impossible to utter. Three words. Now perhaps I should apologize. Perhaps you carry no grudges. You have no memory of the wrongs committed by others against you. You fear no one and secretly wish ill of no one, then I say, God bless you. This sermon's not for you. You're one of the pure in heart. May it be so. But if you're like me, 
and sympathize with Jonah's dilemmas and if you can feel his emotions and his pain, his outrage at a God who seems unfair, if you sort of enjoy laughing at others' failures and joke about those you're glad you're not and rejoice at the destruction of those you dislike and fear, if you'd rather see your enemies struggle than be forgiven, if the wideness of God's mercy frustrates you, if you sulk in the shade when God forgives those who you know should not ever be forgiven, then my invitation to you today is to open your life to God's vision of all that you can be in the new kingdom, in the company of the forgiven and the forgiving. Then Peter turned to him and said, Lord, what about this guy? What about him? And Jesus said, what's that to you, man? Don't worry about him. You. You follow me. Please join me in prayer. As promised, I'm going to invite you to make a decision this morning within the altar of your heart. No music, no manipulation, no raised hands, just a question with which to search your own heart. Are you willing to decide today, here, now, this morning, to seek God's way, God's kingdom in your life? If you can't decide today, are you willing to pick a date? Pick a date when you think you'll be ready to forgive God for, for forgiving those whom you distrust and most dislike. To ask God's forgiveness when you try to control everything. To forgive yourself for not being perfect or near perfect. To forgive others all others who have wronged you and from, you, from whom you have been withholding forgiveness while you wait to see if God will destroy them. And to commit yourself to share the good news of God's wide mercy, even if that mission takes you to the doorstep of your enemies. Our Father in heaven, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Amen.